When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everyone, Matt Williamson here. Um, little, uh, time, you know, little shopkeeping. I'm gonna be bringing you this podcast five days this week. DK's out of town. Asked me to do that. You know, talk Steelers with you guys, and most of them will be centered around what we see at practice. But I'm recording this Sunday here from my South Hills home in Pittsburgh, and I go back on. Tomorrow, and we'll start watching practice then, and we'll record podcasts after that. So we've had a little lull here in between recent practice news. So I started working on my weekly article for the site, and thought this might be a better pod or as good a podcast as this, the article. The article will go up on Tuesday or Wednesday. That'll be laid out for you in black and white. But let's just talk about Steelers personnel groupings. On defense, everyone wants to talk about it on offense. Boy, they used a lot of 11 personnel. We used to see more double tight ends. Zach Gentry helped the tackles. Yeah, great conversation. No one talks about the defense, though. So let's first, in the first stage of the podcast here, talk about what we saw last year. Last year, we know their base defense. An NFL base defense is either a 4-3 or 3-4, and those lines have gotten a little blurrier lately, too. But the Steelers, as I'm sure most of you know, their base is a 3-4, you know, a nose, two defensive ends, two edge rushers, which really are ends, and, and two linebackers behind them in their front seven. Well, the Steelers were in their base 34% of the time last year. You would think base. I mean, that's that's their number one usage, right? No, it's not anymore. It makes me crazy. That should no longer be called base because it's nobody's base. Nobody lives in 3-4 or 4-3 anymore. This game is all about having multiple defensive backs on the field. So 34% of the Steelers' snaps came in their 3-4. It doesn't seem like much, and maybe it isn't compared to 15 years ago with Casey Hampton and, you know, Dick LeBeau defense. But 34% was the third highest of any defense in the league. Seattle, who's very old school with the way they do things, and Miami interestingly enough, coached by Brian Flores, are the only defenses that were in their base, 4-3 in their in their case as opposed to 3-4, more a higher percentage than the Steelers last year. Well, there's a reason behind this. First of all, we'll talk about their opponents in the second half of the podcast, but a huge factor here <coughs> is with Tuit and Alualu out, and as bad as the run defense was, they, defenses wanted to keep the Steelers in 
a heavy grouping. You know, if we're going to make you use Davis and the Davis brothers and warmly more snaps than he should and uh, Mondo because we're going to keep you in this heavy grouping because that has some of your lesser players on the field and you don't have the depth to deal with it. Big people wear out. So if we can keep you in your 3-4 a lot and have success, especially running the ball, that's what's going to happen. So the Steelers were a very heavy base personnel grouping last year. So, something has to give. Nickel. The, def the definition of nickel is five defensive backs on the field. The Steelers still was their heaviest personnel grouping. They, they were in nickel 47% of the time, but that's only 30th in the league. The, the teams that had nickel usage less than the Steelers were, as you would expect, Miami, as well as Kansas City. So... Their nickel package is two linebackers, which isn't a strength. Basically, your nickel is pull the nose off the field, put a defensive back on. Almost all the time, it's going to be a slot corner. Yeah, there's big nickel groupings with three safeties, but more often than not, slot corner comes off the field, on the field, nose tackle comes off. But the Steelers were only in their nickel 47% of the time. Again, that's 30th. But nickel is really the preferred grouping right now in the in, across the NFL. Like, the Bills are obscene about it. The Bills had nickel 92% of the time. I mean, basically just lived in nickel. But to give you an idea, 11 defenses in the league had nickel on the field for at least two-thirds of their snaps. 66% or more, about a third of the league had nickel. The Steelers were only at 47. So... What about dime? Well, the dime, they were 13th highest usage of dime. 17% of their snaps came from this grouping. So 11 defenses used dime less than 10% of their snaps, while 10 defenses used dime at least 20% of their snaps. I mean, Atlanta and Houston never once put a six defensive back on the field, probably because they were losing a lot and people were running on them late in the second halves. But still, some teams, a lot of teams were only at 1%, 2%. While Miami, we keep hearing that name, they led the NFL. They used dime 31% of the time. So the league has mixed feelings on dime. Um, so the Steelers were 13th. But again, you're so high in base, you know, that makes, you know, some sense. It's hard to be in the tops of all, of course. Um, again, Miami's really interesting here. They they were second in base personnel usage, 32nd in nickel usage, first in dime usage. Are these things, you know, signs of things to come with, with Flores here in town? Possibly. I mean, who's to say? But the Steelers were pretty strong in that same vein as well. I mean, they were heavy purse, heavy base, very little nickel, high in dime. Um, for you smarties out there, maybe you'll realize that if you add up the Steelers' percentages, they don't add up to 100%. So what's Williamson doing here with the math? Well, there's 2% of time that they were basically in their jumbo goal line package. You know, that's fourth and one. The offense brings in extra linemen, tight ends, fullbacks, you know, or goal line, that kind of thing. So there's 2% here that isn't really accounted for. So, you know, that that's... You know, what you need to know. Um, lastly, on, on this side of things, well, how did they do in their each respective group? Well, in base, they allowed 5.5 yards per play. 
In nickel, they allowed 5.4. In dime, it was 6.5, which is always going to be higher because third and 10, you're in your nickel or you're in your dime and there's going to be bigger plays or, hey, they have a seven-yard completion on third and 10. That's still a good play. However, but when you compare their usage to these, to the rest of the league, they were very good in their nickel, which they used the least, Good in base, not tremendous. Well below average using dime. So these are good things to know. And these are what teams look at in the offseason when they team build. You know, I mean, obviously, you look at how, what are we going to do? So in the next section of this podcast, I'm going to talk about how the opponents dictate that. So we'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, we are back. I hope that wasn't too much thrown at you all at once. If it is, again, check out the um, article that will be published. It's a little easier to digest. You can go back and read if, if need be, and there's some other examples there. So, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of offenses wanted to keep the Steelers in their base because they were very light on true defensive linemen, 300-pounder types. But also, I mean, and that's just a one of many examples of how offenses can dictate to defenses what groupings are out there. I mentioned the Bills were 92% nickel. Well, they basically say, we think we're heavy enough to handle the run in nickel, but also fast and light enough to cover four receiver sets in nickel. You know, that's unique. If you can stay in such a situation, that's wonderful. And frankly, that's one of the values of a stud every down linebacker, what they wanted in Bush, what they hope to get in Jack, as you can do a lot of things from the second level, it allows for less um, changing of defensive personnel, you know, less substitutions. But the opponent has a lot to do with where you're going to be in on defense in terms of what players you're used, what styles, styles of players. As you guys know, it's a 17-game season. 11 of those games every year, change based on the year, the divisions you play, the, you know, your uh, finish the year before, but six of them remain the same. And those are the AFC North games. And the Steelers are in a really unique situation 
and all teams look at this this way, is how do we win our division? That has to be goal number one. You know, we have to build our team to face our specific division. And the Steelers defensively have challenges that I'm not sure any other team does in terms of the three teams that they face twice a year, every year. So let's go to the Bengals, first of all. The Bengals, the Bengals and the Rams, two Super Bowl teams, they're the only teams in the league that used 11 personnel. 11 personnel is one back, one tight end, three receivers. I mean, that's the biggest, that's the most used personnel grouping in the league right now. But Cincinnati and the Rams, coincidence they went to the Super Bowl? I don't know. Um, were one and two. The Rams were one, Cincinnati was two in the usage of 11 personnel. Steelers happened to be three, Steelers offense, but it didn't work out as well for them. So, as you can imagine, Cincinnati does not want to take Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd off the field. You know, they don't have a great group of tight ends. That's what they're going to play in, young quarterback. So, only 23% of the Bengals' offensive snaps last year came out of something other than one running back, one tight end, three receivers. So, you have to prepare for that. That's a very good football team. You can't brush it off. You better be deep in in terms of your secondary to handle the Bengals twice a year. Well, the Ravens couldn't be any different. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you guys can figure this out. A very high percentage of the Ravens' offensive snaps came out of a very heavy personnel grouping. You know, they love... 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, even 20 personnel. The first number is the running back. The second number is the tight end, by the way. So 20 personnel is two backs, zero tight ends, three receivers. They put in that big fullback that weighs 290 pounds. And, you know, the Ravens only used 11 personnel, one, one back, one tight end, three receivers, 43% of the time. You know, as opposed to Cincinnati, who's the polar opposite. But then they went out and traded Marquise Brown to Arizona, really didn't replace him with another wide receiver, and they drafted two tight ends. So all indicators are telling you that the Ravens are going to even be heavier this year. Less multiple receiver sets, less three receiver sets. They're going to bludgeon you, extra offensive linemen at times, tons of tight ends on the field with different person with different skill sets. Mark Andrews is a great receiving tight end. The big old fullback, like I mentioned, Richard, Ricard. So we know how they're going to play, and it's different than any other offense in the league, which is the polar opposite of preparing for the Bengals and team building for the Bengals. Now, the Browns, they're also unique, and they're a bit of a wild card because they made a massive offseason move and traded for Deshaun Watson. So, Stefanski has played a certain way, and I don't think they'll stray from it no matter who their quarterback is, especially while Watson is suspended. But big picture, you make a move like trading for Watson. Maybe this is subject to change once he gets out there, when he gets out there, who the heck knows. But they're also very unique in their personnel packages, too, I mean, the Browns only played 11 personnel 45% of the time, which is just a smidge more than Baltimore. I mean, this is a heavy offensive group as well. And here's what's really unique about Cleveland, and I don't really see any reason why it won't keep up or at least still be high, is the Browns use 13 personnel. First number's running back, one back. Second number's tight end, three tight ends. 
I mean, that only leaves room for one wide receiver. Cleveland uses 13 personnel 17% of the time. 17%, that doesn't seem like that much. You know, I mean, what, what's that, one out of every five plays or so? That's still way more, way more than any other offense in the league, which makes preparing for them very difficult. If you're TJ Watt, Highsmith, whoever, and you have two tight ends to your side or a third tight end to your side, I mean, it just changes blocking angles, gap responsibility. Where do I align if I'm Devin Bush, if they're really heavy with tight ends to one side or the other? And they also, I know they brought in Amari Cooper, but they also kept uh, David Njoku around to a big contract. So again, they use it 17% of the time. No one else in the league uses it more than 8% of the time. So they're at least double the second highest offensive personnel groupings of 13 personnel in the league. So these three opponents for the Steelers are very challenging year to year in terms of, well, what do we need on defense to win our division, to hopefully go 6-0 and in these games, to not go 0-6, to not have a huge weakness that we know we're going to see or is going to get exposed by a team that we know and they know as well as we do. And here's what I like about it for the Steelers is I think two of the deepest and most versatile position groups now in the league or in the, on the team now are their true D linemen, Cam Hayward, Alualu, Ogunjobi, Warmly, Loudermilk, Liao, Adams. Those guys shouldn't wear down if they're forced to play a lot of base personnel. They can hang and bang with the Browns as well as the Ravens. and But the secondary to me as well also has eight guys now, of course, led by Minka. Both these groups have a stud, Hayward and Minka. But I don't see weaknesses amongst the others. Levi Wallace, Akether Weatherspoon, Cam Sutton, Millette, KZ, Edmonds. So, Again, they were very low in nickel. They were very high in base. They were high in dime. Miami was very high in dime. Were we going to see more of the same, especially against these opponents that the Steelers know better than anyone within the division? My guess is yes. And folks, that's why GMs and front offices are so smart because they add depth and versatility to the secondary and to the front, not necessarily the edges, but the big guys up front to deal with the groupings they were forced to use last year or preferred to use. So I hope that kind of gives a different spin on, on how the defenses work around the league. Um, I will be back to you soon with a take uh, from practices, some guys that are standing out, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.